What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. Hey, sports fans! Coach Nick here, and welcome to B-Ball Breakdown and the live post-game show. Great to be here after Game One. I'm I'm ready for the season to kind of get to the you know the the, the end of it and uh, and see what's going to happen. We've been waiting for so long. First off, absolute miracle from the gods that somehow Giannis was able to play and actually looked really good. Uh, they threw up a lot to him on a pick and roll, and he went up and dunked it. Now, it wasn't exactly maybe as high as he'd normally get, but he looked really, really good. Uh, that knee didn't seem to affect him too much. He had one play where he planted. Um, you know what? It's his right knee that he did it, right? Uh, but he planted, um, in my mind, I'm thinking he planted the left knee, and then he kind of came up really hobbling for a minute there, but then seemed to snap back into action. So um, uh, truly remarkable that he was able to be as effective as he was. I mean, we can go through the real quickly the box score numbers to see, but basically Giannis went six for 11. He hit a three. Uh, he had four assists and 17 rebounds and 20 points total. Uh, he had three turnovers, and a couple of those were inopportune ones, but they weren't out of the ordinary as far as what he would normally do. He sometimes will struggle and get the ball knocked away from him, and that happens no matter whether his knee is bad or not. Uh, but for the most part, he looked, you know, pretty much the way he would normally look. He's a little bit slightly slower, slightly less aggressive and a little bit more earthbound barely. But I mean, that's pretty effective for what they needed. Um, obviously, the, the big uh, storyline for the Buck side is going to be uh, the Brook Lopez issue, because obviously that's going to be um, a, a huge problem for them. If they're going to like based on what we saw last night, I'll get into that in a minute. But I also want to remind you guys that um, over on the Hot Mic app, which should be in the description below, click on that, download it, follow me, B-Ball Breakdown. You can request to come on the show, and we can chop it up, and they'll broadcast it live to YouTube. It's one of the only ways where we can have people come on, call in, and uh, be part of the show on the YouTube uh, side as well. So uh, feel free to come over there, follow me, be part of the thing. I'll give uh, preferential treatment to the comments on the Hot Mic app for sure. Uh, but then again, I'll give the most preferential treatment to anybody who wants to do super chats over on the YouTube side. So if that's what you want to get me uh, for, uh, then ask me there or just ha- head over to the Hot Mic app, uh, link in the description and uh, ask your questions directly. And look at that right on cue. We have a bunch of people who want to come in. Um, let's see. Akil disappeared, but let's see. We'll get Kaylin in here real quick. And Akil, come back. I don't know. It said it popped up and then it disappeared. So, uh, Caitlin, we'll bring you in. We'll hit the button. you got to hit a button to accept, and then uh, we'll chop it up for a minute. Oh, you know what? I should put on my uh, my headset while we're waiting because it might think. What's up, Caitlin? Hey, Coach Nick. How you doing? I am good. I'm just plugging in my earphones so we don't get any too much reverb back in the mic. But, uh, yeah, what did you think of the game? Oh, that was good. I was hoping for a close game, game one, finals. You don't want to blow out. <laughs> well, what do you think? It kind of had blowout feeling to it to some degree, didn't it? Well, it didn't really feel like the Bucks really ever had a chance because the Suns just felt like their game I, – I felt like their game plan was just one step ahead. And I think a big part of it, maybe the biggest part of it, was Budenholzer's switching pick-and-roll defense. <laughs> That was a surprise, wasn't it? I don't know what was it? up with that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was surprised. I did not have that on my bingo card uh, of uh, him switching out right like that. And you know what? I gave him some props. Say, hey, let's do something, you know, aggressive here and see what happens. Uh, bold move, Cotton. But uh, what was your issue with it? What didn't work for you? Well, 
coming into the series, looking at a lot of previews, one thing everyone's pointing out is Clippers with Zubat, same thing happened. You know, you, you either drop or you switch, and you've got two of the best <clears throat> mid-range backcourt players, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and you're just giving them either free reign to get Chris Paul to that little mid-range area for that fadeaway or Booker and Chris Paul to switch. I lost count of how many times I saw uh, Brooke Lopez guarding Chris Paul in yeah. the middle of the game. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting was that when they would switch that, so if you could picture P.J. Tucker on CP3, which is another interesting thing, because I think I would have put Drew on CP3 and had Tucker on, like, Middleton or something. But um, then when they screened with Aiton, and then now it's a switch. They just threw it to Aiden, and he would score right over Tucker every time. So that would never have worked. I'm not exactly sure why they even tried it in that in that alignment. Because if you got PJ Tucker there, and you know he's going to switch, the, you know the, you can't switch. You just got to do your normal drop. And the thing that I thought worked for the Bucks in the earlier series was that when Lopez just comes up a couple steps higher. That makes things difficult, you know, in a different way for uh, for CP3. They didn't even want to do that. So, uh, yeah, it was head scratching. And listen, there's no uh, surprise here that this, as soon as they benched him for good, like he didn't come in after that stretch. He played the 23 minutes. I want to say, where's my? Oh my goodness, I lost my my. What's my call? Where did my uh, where did my tab go with the damn? Let me open a new one uh, with the, with the box door. Um, I think he played 23 minutes. Is that my crazy? Is that right? That sounds about right. All right, let me look here real quick. Box score. Uh, I will find that tab after the show's over. He played uh, 23 minutes. So I'm pretty sure – so whenever he came out in the, early in the third quarter, that was it for him. He didn't come back in. And, by the way, this the, the Bucks roared right back into the game and cut it to under 10. What do they get it to, 9, 7, something like that? Uh, maybe even seven, closer? Yeah. 7. So um, – Clearly, we, we you know I, we've been threatening to see Lopez not get as many minutes uh, you know in, in all these series, and this is the, this is the one where I think he can't waste any more time down one zero. Yeah, well, it was interesting because coming into the game, you could clearly tell that it was the that was the determined game plan against the pick and roll because they were giving up, they were putting up no resistance against the screen, and Lopez would come up straight away and already be in a stance to defend the perimeter. So clearly Budenholz has told them this is the way we're going to defend the pick and roll, yeah. which is interesting. And here's the thing is, I, you know, you can almost get away with that if you're getting some good production from Lopez on the other side. And you know what? They, they kind of were. I mean, his numbers were, um, let's see, Lopez was 7 for 14. He shot 50%, 3 for 5 from 3, 17.6 rebounds. So he was actually contributing, but it, it, it just wasn't enough. Uh, and even though the score was five or seven in, front, in favor of the Bucks, it seemed like Aiton was hesitant to step out. Uh, for sure. So, so it was kind of working, but he actually has to be even better than that, Lopez, uh, to justify what he's giving up on the other end. It was too easy, um, and they're going to have their hands full because I, you know. And by the way, Portis comes in, and I tweeted this out like that's the solution. He actually did nicely on two of the three ISOs they got him on off of switches. They happened to hit him, but I thought he did well, certainly better than anything Lopez could give him. So that they might want to just look at that again and figure, nah, they might not hit those shots again. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. All righty. Uh, For sure. I, I predict no more than the 23 minutes he got tonight. Right. All righty. Well, Kaylin, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me out. All right. From down under. All righty. Let's bring in um, – let's go with Ben. I'll go left to right here. 
Ben, we're waiting for you to come on in. Again, if you're over on the YouTube side and you want to chop it, chop it up with me uh, live on YouTube and on the Hot Mic app, download the Hot Mic app, uh, follow me, get in the stream, and uh, I will bring you in if you just request. Uh, so we have waiting for Ben. There's a little button you got to press, and then it'll bring you in, and maybe I'll grab a uh, – Aaron Z had a question. What was up with the free throw disparity? Well, I don't think that the Bucks were creating any free throws. They were not going to the basket hard. Then they switched after they got down by 20, and you saw them really go aggressively to the basket hard, and they generated some more free throws. They got up to 11 or 12, or let's see here, how many did they have total? Uh, the Bucks ended up having uh, 16 total free throws when they only had like seven or something for a big stretch there. So, um, Ben, we're waiting for you, but if uh, let's see here. Maybe I'll bring Cooper in instead, and we're waiting for Ben. Let's see here. Cooper. Hit the button there. I invite you. You got to press one more button, and that should bring you in to the show. Uh, the anticipation is there. We go, Cooper. What's happening, my man? Hello, um, hey. Coach. Uh, I was wondering if you like noticing like the whole game that uh, PJ Tucker was guarding um, Chris Paul. I was thinking, why did they just put Chris Milton on him? Because they had Drew Holiday on deep Devin Booker, and that'd be I think that'd perfectly be fine with. Because uh, then T- PJ Tucker. Would fit, be guarding uh, Crowder, I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't see why they didn't do that. Uh, great call. I, I would think that uh, CP3 would struggle with a really long, good defender like Middleton, without question. Especially, well, what they're going to do, though, is if they if they put him on and they're going to screen and force a switch, right? So I, I suppose mm-hmm. they're, like, getting ahead of themselves and thinking, well, what's the point if that's going to happen? But I would like to see them somehow figure out a way to get Middleton on him because if he's going to try and ISO on Middleton – that won't go as well as it's gone everywhere else with him in that you know second and third quarters or the second quarter he hit a lot of points and then he lit it up again. So yeah, great call. They need to figure out how to get Middleton on Chris Paul. But again, if they screen him and they set a good screen, then Middleton gets rubbed off and he's not there anymore. So it's it's confusing. Yeah. Um, do you also think it's time for Giannis to start the five because Chris Paul and Devin Booker they just waiting for uh, Brooke Lopez to switch on them. They just took their time to get their spots. Yeah, I, I, I think that every evidence that we saw in game uh, one tonight would indicate, yes, uh, it's time to just go with that and start there. Now, maybe bring Brooke Lopez in off the bench and give him those 23 minutes against the second unit. That might make him more effective, too. But uh, without question, they were much better with uh, you know, a hobbled Giannis at the center spot. Um, and even with Portis getting lit up a little bit there, they were still getting closer and getting narrowing that gap. So it, you know, I hate to say it because Lopez did shoot well, but uh, yeah, he's not doing on the defensive end well enough against the starters uh, to justify. Um, one more question. Also, sure. if they put Giannis at the five, who would you put in to replace Lopez? Uh, I, well, I mean, because right, Portis is then the five. And yeah, go ultra small. Oh man, it's a it's a problem. They, they're not deep, right? You, you, yeah. If you're bringing in Teague and Connaughton and Forbes off the bench from the backcourt, like that's not great for the for our final team. It really isn't. They needed they need to shore that up uh, in the offseason. But um, it's probably Connaughton. He he's the guy that they seem most most comfortable with. Yeah, that's all I have. Thank you, Coach. Awesome. Thanks, man. All righty, let's go to um, Ben. Is still waiting for Ben. Let's go to uh, Shanku. Bring you in here. Thank you. Just hit the button, bring bring a welcome in, and um, we will get you in here. Let's see here, and we got a lot of people coming in who want to request. Awesome. So as soon as let's see, I'll give you another second, two seconds, Shanku, to come in here. If not, then we'll go to. Um, uh, it looks like you know the next order would probably be like Eli, Jamie, no Jacob. Okay, Shanku, what's happening, my man? Hi, how are you? Did I pronounce your name correctly? Uh, it's Shanku. Shanku, I figured yeah. as much. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. Um, nothing much, man. Uh, 
thought it was a good game. Thought uh, Budenholzer had some flaws defensively, at least. Kind of the same problem the Jazz had, just with Rudy Gobert switching and taking advantage of that. I hear you. I hear you now. And then his biggest problem was he didn't adjust quick enough, right? He went with exactly. it, went with it, and then by by that third quarter when they got down by twenty, that was pretty much it. The Bucks, I think, are going to have a trouble scoring against the Suns' defense. The Suns' defense is absolutely terrific. Uh, when you got guys like Crowder and Aiden and uh, CP3, uh, even Booker is giving out on defense there. And then who will uh, you know? You know, campaign is small, but let's see who am I missing? Uh, I, I mean, I love. Uh, uh, Camp Johnson playing defense. Certainly Torrey Craig comes in there and plays defense. So this is a really good defensive team. So the Bucks can't afford to get down by that many points. They're not going to, you know, certainly I don't think score enough to stay with them. Now, obviously, to get back in the game, they did, but it was, it was clearly one of those too little, too late situations. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, Middleton and Holiday were pretty cool tonight. And especially in, like, the first two regular season meetings uh, with the Bucks and Suns, Giannis was super aggressive. So I hope to see that. Hopefully his knee is fine, I guess. So Yeah, we'll I mean, Middleton got hot, and that's what he does. He gets hot for brief stretches, and he was great. But, yeah, Holiday was not not good enough. They But they both yeah. struggled. I think the Bucks were overwhelmed by the moment more than the Suns were. Neither team had any experience in the finals, and it looked that way. Uh, the Bucks blew a bunch of shots around the rim, which, you know, you could argue, well, they won't miss those again. Um, and so that might change the complexion of the game earlier. But let's look at the three-point shooting. I'm just kind of curious. The Bucks actually shot 44.4%, 16 for 36, where the Suns went 11 for 34 and only 32%. So that's another very interesting thing to see a blowout where the other team made five more threes and shot uh, 12% better. That's an anomaly, and um, I wonder if that's a thing that Bud can say in the locker room as, uh, as a, you know, an encouraging word. Yeah, that is quite strange. I hadn't even noticed that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was weird because they, they got they bunched those threes together uh, in, in a way. I feel like when you look at it, we'll look at the uh, later on, we'll look at the uh, uh, play-by-play. Four was it a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had that one. They, they, they touted how nice that play was out of a timeout to get forward yeah. from that right corner. That is uh, – to draw up a play where that's the shot you're supposed to get, like, I don't know, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's an impossible shot for a righty going to the right corner, staying inbounds. Guy's on him, right? He's got to catch it and, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. So I, I, I like the movement. There was an Iverson cut into whatever, but uh, into a handoff. But, um, but, man, that was tough. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. All right. Thank All right. you so much. And, uh, I really, I really do enjoy your content. I actually recently found your Twitter, so oh. I've been enjoying that. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, Shanku. I appreciate you being part of the conversation. Absolutely. Thanks right. for having me. Please. Anytime. Yep. All right. Now let's bring in. Uh, okay. So here's the thing. They told me that it's in order, but I know that like Eli, for instance, has requested to come on before Kevin. So I'm going to do, I think Jacob was the first, maybe it goes, the, uh, maybe it's the opposite order I'm thinking of. So I'm going to bring Jacob in here. And then we'll do Eli, Jamie, Rich, Kevin, and um, and I guess Ben is AWOL here. So let's do that. Um, Jacob, where are you, my man? We're, well, come on on the show. And we'll chop it up. Maybe I'll hey, grab Joe. another comment. Jacob, what's happening, my man? Hey, what's I, up? Hey, um, hey. I'm the one that I had my girlfriend call in and, and ask you about Chris Paul uh, a while ago because I couldn't get on here. Oh, well, awesome. I'm glad that she was into the game enough to uh, to be a part of the conversation. It was great. What do you think about Chris Paul's first finals, man? I, I'm so excited to see him get a ring. 
uh, you know, it's he's he's almost he's on his way, one down. Um, it's been great. Like I always worry about those guys. Well, you know, Barkley, Malone, uh, the guys that were so great who never won a ring. Um, and it was, th- yeah, it was going to be him too. So um, listen, the fact that he played so well. And then he looked, I mean, listen, he's probably the finals MVP, right? He's going to probably outplay Booker the way this is going. Uh, although I want to say this really clearly, Aiton was my MVP of this game. I thought he was the key. When he went out, that game shrunk again and the lead shrunk for them. And when he comes back in, he controlled the boards. Every role he did sucked the defense in greatly and opened up everything else. So I think Aiton really was the key here. Right, right, right. The, he's got to have a good big man. That's really what the whole basketball comes to is that big man I mean, you can have a point guard run that. Like when Chris Paul was out, Aiden he did good, or I mean Payne, yeah, Payne he did really good, and and he kept the Suns team going without that big man. That's where you fumble. Uh, absolutely, uh, that's why it's so nice to have. And, and Aiden, in my mind, as he progresses, you know, in the next, in the future, he'll become more of a guy that can shoot a three in the corner and maybe put the ball on the ground a little bit. I, I, his form looks great. I would anticipate that he would do that more and, and even spread the floor even more. And then the Suns are going to be, you know, I don't know how you're supposed to guard them that way. Uh, the only thing is, by that point, maybe CP3 is kind of wound down. His career is, you know, it's time to retire. But um, uh, Aiden is just terrific, and it's great to see a, a really traditional big man, you know, thrive in this modern NBA. Um, I want to ask you, what do you think about Stephen A. Smith calling um, Devin Booker Kobe 2.0? No, but like, listen, we I think it's well established. I'm not the well, I wasn't the biggest Kobe fan, you know, like I'm a triangle offense coach and to see him break it off and take a really, really tough shots is always frustrating to me. Um, but like certainly mentality wise, it's not, it's not even close, even though Booker likes to shoot it. I just don't think it's the same. Um, and so that's always going to be a separation for me, but I would say that, okay, you know, there's a mid range similarity there, I suppose. Um, I would argue that maybe Kobe was a better athlete. I, I don't think that Booker is like an incredible athlete. I don't, he doesn't elevate over people. Uh, he seems to struggle sometimes among the trees down by the basket a little bit, and then he can draw some fouls. But uh, I don't know. Do you see a, a strong connection between those two? Well, um, with you saying that, now that I think about <laughs> it, Kobe used to get up there, reverse windmills, crazy, nasty. And also, I just want to say, I've never heard anybody um, kind of – criticize Kobe's game like that as an offensive coach. And that really makes me think about differently about Kobe because that is where the whole LeBron team player, he's better comes from. And that has to be true with the game of basketball. There's five guys on the team to play for a reason, not just one. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, Kobe was the best worst shot maker of all time. And so he would make these shots. You're like, Oh, that was just like, what are you even trying that shot for? Um, And so as a coach, it was always a little frustrating. As a fan, totally get it. Like he's the Mamba, you, and he was, you know, worthy of uh, of all that respect. But um, you know, there there was always this notion of uh, if he just would let the offense work for him more, then his his field goal percentage would be higher, and then and plus he might, have, you know, maybe the, the team would flow a little better around him. So uh, it's he's a very polarizing guy. It's always hard to deal with it. I, I I don't I just don't get that same my my spidey sense doesn't tingle as much when I'm watching Booker uh, take his shots. They're a little bit more you know in the flow, and uh, as a result, I think uh, you know he shoots. It's actually, it's interesting to see if we compared uh, Booker's field goal percentage because it wasn't always that great either. Um, but he's 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 figuring some things out. It's great to see. Uh, I just want to say I really love your show, man. I, I love your content, and and it's good to talk with you and chop it up for a bit. 
Well, I appreciate it. It makes me feel really great to hear that because, you know, sometimes I get people screaming and yelling at me all through the comments, and it's nice to hear from people who actually enjoy it. So thank you. Uh, uh, no problem, man. I love, like, watching it and you breaking down, and, like, it helps me learn everything about the game of basketball so much. Awesome. Well, that's great. That's, that's why we're here, and uh, please uh, feel free to come back anytime. Uh, I will. I will. You have a good show. You too. Thanks, Jacob. All right, let's bring in Eli because I know he's been patiently waiting. And I can see him. He must be on a droid. Um, Eli, come on in, hit that with the button. And I don't know, you might get broadcast to YouTube. I don't know though, because sometimes it doesn't just get you the voice. But let's see what's happening, my man. Hey, coach, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I just have a little bit of an echo. I'm not sure what's happening. Um, oh, I was gonna ask you, yeah, I was gonna ask you, um, about DeAndre Ayton because you just mentioned it. Uh, Listening, I don't know if you listen to Bill Simmons' podcast, but um, everyone's been talking about DeAndre Aiden is playing really well in the playoffs. Um, people were saying that like maybe now he's a top forty player. What bothers me about that, or maybe or a really big asset in a playoff team or whatever, what bothers me more is that like I, I don't know how to really his future. I don't really see him as a shot creator on his own. So I don't really ever really see him being an all star or anything like that. So I think that this is his like perfect position where he's like the third, like the facto third best player, but he's not actually the scorer. I know his field goal percentage is unbelievable, but I think it's more because he's getting easy shots from Chris Paul. Well, that's a great thing. I, and I mentioned it a minute or two ago about how I thought Aiden was sort of the MVP of the game. So it's weird, right? Because he plays like, you know, a 90s center. And this is the modern NBA. You're not supposed to be able to do that. But what does work for him, he's got amazing hands, Great touch around the rim. He rolls hard. So at the very least, against the Bucks specifically, he's going to look like a top 20 player because the Bucks are so concerned with, with shots around the rim that they're going to collapse on that, and that's going to open up everything for everybody else. Meanwhile, when they run it quickly enough, and he's very mobile, they can't get there in time to have any uh, effect on him. So he's hitting those little jump hooks and being strong and, and down there with his little turnaround shots. Um, but I, I, like I mentioned before, I, I have no doubt, and I think it would be coaching criminality if we do not see him going to that corner next year for some threes. I think he's going to spread that out. He's got a nice-looking form. I, don't, I have no doubt he could get that to the three-point line in the corner, and then maybe the next year that turns into like some catch-and-shoots in the wing on a pick-and-pop. Um, I don't know if we get to the point where he, they pick-and-pop and then he can maybe go break a guy down off the dribble like a cat or anything like that, like a, a Crown Anthony Towns. But um, I don't know, man. I, I think the sky's the limit for him, and I would think that he should have a, a legitimate shot at being all-star, you know, in the next several years. Because I didn't really follow him in college or whatever. I don't know if he played overseas or whatever. So I don't know if he was actually good at putting the ball on the floor and creating his own shot. Yeah, they didn't um, let him do that in Arizona. He, he was a strict, you know, yeah. So maybe if you remember, what exactly were the Phoenix Suns looking at when they, put, they picked him uh, first overall? So well, that was the yeah. compliment booker? That was to yeah. make, to get another shot creator? Well, you know, it certainly wasn't like I don't even think defensively he showed out that much in college either, and he was not good as a as a fresh as a freshman as a rookie in the NBA defensively. It's like he really has gotten terrific at that end and understands angles, and that's the key is when you can get in positions early and you can angle the guy out towards the outside of the backboard, and then you can test. Those are hard shots where you don't foul. He was just following guys. He wasn't in position. He was late on everything. So, um, so that was something that, that they, they were able to develop on their own. Um, but I, coming out of Arizona, yeah, very, very traditional back-to-the-basket center. But, again, you saw the mobility. You saw the hands. 
Um, but you're also seeing uh, a weird old school mindset where, in my mind, the number one pick should be the six eight guy who can play defense really well and hit threes. That should be it. The, uh, in the in maybe the Kevin Durant mold where you can get to that. Mikhail Bridges, he should have been number one. Like that's the guy you want. Um, and that, and by the way, that's the same draft I think they got him right. Or I think Luca. They, over Luca. Uh, okay. Well, Luca, I'm sorry. Luca is a six, eight guy who can shoot and whatever. That's what you want. So, um, you know, and by the way, Luca plays a little defense too. So that's the guy. So I I'm thinking that what we're going to see going forward in the draft is we're going to stop seeing these teams, you know, drafting the seven footers like that and getting the guys who have, can do a lot more and a lot more versatile. Then you pick eight and 15th, right. Or 14th. And then, and then, you know, you, cause you can get guys like that. Uh, but, but they have someone special. There's no question. Eight and special. Okay. Uh, I just have one more question. Um, obviously, Dante DiVincenzo is not playing. He's been yeah. out for a lot of the playoffs. Um, he's actually, like, the advanced statistics love him on defense. Like, they even like him maybe, like, just, like, with Drew Holiday to an extent. I don't know, if, like, as good as Drew Holiday. Do you think that, like, that would actually make a difference in the series? Do you think that – I mean, look, the injury has been, ch- been changing the whole playoffs. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that would actually put the Bucks on the uh, – in, in favorite position or not that much of a difference? Yeah, I think it makes a difference in a couple of ways. First of all, he's a starter, and that hurts any team to take a starter off, no matter how good that starter is in the hierarchy. But also, it means we see Jeff Teague. And if you got to play Jeff Teague 10 minutes in a finals game, and you got to play Bryn Forbes 20? What did he, What did Bryn Forbes play? Bryn Forbes played um, 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 uh, 12. That's not too much, but uh, you know what I mean? Connaughton plays 28. Like, that's really Bryn where Forbes you're in there in the fourth. Yeah, I, I don't it's know weird. Yeah. It felt like he played more than 12 minutes. But, I mean, it's not pretty. No, he had a one shot where he, he like put the ball on the ground and then tried to shoot a mid-range. I don't know what he was doing. Um, but when you have to have him in there in a crunch time, that's, that's when you need, that's when you need um, DiVincenzo, and that's what really hurts them. So without question, it's, it's a thing. The Suns are the most healthy team, and that's probably why they're going to win. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Coach. I love your content. Hey, I appreciate it. I was it. one Thanks of the first me. to watch your videos. Really what do you mean, it. like first ever, like way back? No, I'm always the first on um, like oh, a top five. Oh. Sure, I get the notification. I put right on YouTube. Awesome. Well, thank you Appreciate so much. It. Anytime you want to come back on. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. You got it. Um, so there goes that. And then uh, that was Eli. Let me close that button. Okay. I got a super chat. Thank you so much. The real Giannis from, is uh, sending me a super chat from uh, England, I believe. It's the pound symbol. Coach, can you believe how late Coach Bud made the adjustment and went for the small ball lineup? Uh, he let the game get away from us. Also, why can't he get Drew to perform at his best when Giannis on the court? Oh, that's interesting. So that was a really great video I could do, or I was thinking about doing about you know how uh, uh, Drew gets unlocked when Giannis is not playing. Um, we saw a strip that happened with to Drew when he would try to go to the middle on a drive. Uh, passed up a shot maybe, but he tried to go middle, and you had Lopez and Giannis like in the lane. So even if he hadn't gotten stripped, he wouldn't have gotten to go anywhere. There's nowhere to go. The lane, the lane gets clogged. So that's part of it, uh, you know. And then Giannis dominates the ball, so then that means that Drew doesn't dominate the ball. So that's that's a big issue there. Um, and so that's that's one you know a big reason I think usage rate wise why Drew doesn't doesn't do as well. Um, but he's got to be better anyway. He was able to get some good shots and he's in good looks. He needs to knock down and he will. So that won't be a thing. He won't go. He won't shoot that badly. I don't think the rest of the series. Um, but I can't. Yeah. I mean, listen, I can't believe that it took Bud till, you know, what, eight minutes to go in the third quarter down 20 until he made the adjustment to, to put Lopez in the bench forever uh, the rest of the game. So I, I'm not shocked by that. Um, 
you got to hope that he will be more ready for it next time. Or maybe just not start Lopez. I mean, I, you know, we've seen like Steve Kerr go right to the small ball lineup of death right away. Uh, and that's what he should do. Why, why mess around anymore? So thank you so much, Real Giannis, for the super chat. Again, if you're over on the YouTube side and you want me to catch my eye, I will make sure to do that to do a super chat. Otherwise, uh, come on over to the hot mic app. We got a lot of people on the, in, in the queue. Um, let's see here. I'm going to bring in – okay – I'm telling you, it's not in order, but I'm, I, so I'm sorry, but I'm going to get through as many people as I can, as quickly as I can, so you're not waiting too long. Let's do Kevin real quick here and, uh, and see what we want to talk about there with Kevin. Come on in, hit that button, join the show. What's up, my man? Hello, hello. Coach, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Hey, my man. How how you doing? Uh, of course, you know, game one, This, this the score don't, don't really indicate the, the the box score of the game. The um, Suns kind of just took their feet off the uh, gas. Um, if you really look at me, the thing that really stood out to me is the Suns free throws to the Bucks. I mean, 25 for 26 as a team. Oh, my God. That is. And then for Aiden to go six for six as a big man, like you said, he definitely has potential to have a nice five to 10 foot, 15 foot jump shot. If you could have a touch like that. Um what stood out to me is I think what makes it scary for the Bucks to go small ball is Giannis free throws. I mean, he's still not 100%. You still see, you know, when the crowd gets into it and he go one, two, he can miss one, he can miss two, and it can kind of get your team going, uh, kind of, you know, demoralized. And then, you know, same with Chris Middleton. He's a jump shooter. I mean, he got 29 points, but it was all 26 shots. I mean, mm-hmm. no free throws attempts. So that shows the aggressiveness of how the team is. And if I'm the Bucks, I mean, Jay Crowder, I mean, only one point. But, I mean, he ain't going to go like that throughout the whole series. He's going to have at least a game or two where he's going to find his stroke. So where do you think, um, I mean, well, Middleton, I mean, and then um, Lopez had 23 minutes. I think um, Budahoser, he just got to make Lopez a six-man or something to bring. Because, I mean, he did have good production, but it comes and goes. But um, where do you think um, – where do you see the uh, the Bucks really making adjustment for like a say for Drew Holiday to kind of get his game going, or you know, see? I mean, the Suns are really a deep team, man. They're a young deep team, so yeah. I, I was just wondering, what do you think really the adjustments could be for them? Great, going yeah. into too. Great calls on all those things, and you know, the Bucks didn't really attack a lot of the uh, the rim that often to get more free throws. So I didn't feel like there right. was moments where they should have gotten more. And when they got yeah. back in the game, they actually did turn around and got they started attacking, got more free throws. So uh, yeah. obviously, there's a couple things you can do as far as personnel adjustments, which would be the Lopez, you know, not playing or not starting him or cutting the minutes more. Uh, mm-hmm. You could do uh, strategy wise. I think that Lopez is still viable if he doesn't sink so low in that drop. Uh, coverage but don't do the switching thing that's not going to work uh they dice that up and they were ready for it it was weird like they were as if they had gotten the um the game plan ahead of time they knew right away that yeah. Lopez was going to switch and they went boop right to eight and down low for easy shots so exactly. they just need to let him drop but just don't let him drop as far at least try that we saw that work really well last season last series uh, right. Other than that, they don't have too much because, again, you're bringing Teague and and um, yeah, Forbes off the bench. Yeah, you know, and defensive Forbes, liabilities exactly. Yeah, that, that too. And then they're not great. Like offensively, they're okay. Forbes can shoot, but uh, you know, if you can create him and make him into a driver, then then you got to take him out of the game. And so, right. so he's got his hands tied on that end where it's not easy for him, especially like we mentioned with uh, without having Divincenzo out there. So, but you're right, right. the Crowder thing. First of all, Crowder took, I would say he went over five from three, and at least three of those were just bad, stupid ideas for shots. Yeah. They should have <laughs> taken them. Um, but, you know, he's going to give you defense. He's going to make it really hard. He's going to use Absolutely, his foul. Yeah. 
Um, and so, uh, so that, so he contributed across the board anyway, but, um, yeah, it, it's a real problem for the Bucks. They have their hands tied. And obviously Giannis, if he is feeling okay and he was moving fine, then they're going to they're gonna yeah. need his, his that, normal production. They're going to need his that, 28 or 29 points. Yeah. And that was the thing is, you know, he, even though it did seem like he was moving around and everything, I think he only took like 11 jump, 11 field goals attempts. So I think, you know, probably fatigue and probably the knee was kind of getting to him a little bit to where he couldn't be that more aggressive towards the end. But, um, yeah, he was still moving fairly well. Um, also my, um, my, also my big takeaway is also when, man, when Chris Paul is just feeling it, he's feeling it. And I think now if I'm the Bucks, I mean, I think, I don't think Devin Booker is, he's, he's a good shooter, but he's still a streaky three point shooter. And so, as I was saying, I was thinking like, if I'm the Bucks, I kind of got to pick my poison and kind of go under the screens and try to see if, if he's going to fill it tonight or something that magnitude. But I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, it's just the, the way the pick and roll defense was for the Bucks today. It just, it just wasn't working yeah. especially with Brook Lopez I don't have a problem you know maybe going under a little bit and like giving different looks I, I, there's yeah. nothing wrong with blasting him and just forcing it out of his hands we know he right. doesn't like double teams why not do <laughs> that a little bit right and you know I yeah. know why you don't because you don't want him to give up to like Chris Paul now on a on a four on three but um, you got to give him different looks you got to mix it up you got to wor- work on some uh, a little bit of pressure maybe take some pressure off and keep keeping him guessing uh, otherwise yeah you're just letting them run their offense and that's not going to work uh, they're going to get beaten five games that way absolutely absolutely coach and lastly um i wasn't able to come to the last uh live stream but i know you was kind of giving um the hawks praises for the future and everything i was trying to see where do you think their future lies if you had to ask me i think their future is kind of more brighter than the phoenix suns or dallas because they're in the west and then the hawks are in the east where you know you got the nets they're kind of playing for now kevin durant he's 33 um james harden is 32 and if I'm the Hawks, they got really two potential all-star wing players in DeAndre Hunter and uh, Cam Reddish who really showed them some. So I was just wondering, where do you think their future lies but, uh, along the other organizations in the East? Uh, I, I listen. I did a video on this in the beginning of the season, sh- showing them how, like, showing everybody how these guys are for real. And yeah. without question, I mean, John Collins. I don't. I got to figure out if they're going to keep him or not. But I, I hope they I do. I hope they do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's a 2010 guy that can shoot threes Absolutely. and can like you know you can lob it up to him. So um, yeah. John Collins, Trey uh, Herder, uh, I, Cam Reddish is my. I, listen, I was going to do a big video on Cam Reddish before the season started, saying he's the guy to watch. Yeah. And guess what? DeAndre Hunter became that guy instead. Right. And I was I, like, ah. I think, yeah. And I think they're only like, I think Hunter's only 22 and then Reddish is only 21. So the sky is really the limits. And then, you know, Dallas, you know, of course, Luka is still the best player and everything. But what makes Dallas just interesting is um, they're in the West. And so, you know, you still got the Warriors who might come better. Denver, Michael Porter Jr. might eventually come with 25 points per game. So I was just running. I'm from Atlanta. So I was just trying to kick in what you think their future was. The future but, is, uh, yeah, it's, it's to the top. As bright as can be, I would anticipate them, you know, getting to a lot more conference finals and getting to some finals, you know, within the next couple of years. I, I really do. All right, Coach. And then lastly, do you mm, you have the Suns winning this series, right, after this today, or do you think the Bucs can make some adjustments? Uh, I had the Suns. I mean, I had the Suns winning it for sure. And, yeah. you know, I don't know how many games. It's easier now to say after they won the first one. I would say, maybe to be safe, I'd say the Suns in six. Six, yeah, absolutely. Same, same. Okay, Coach, thank you so much, my man. Enjoy awesome. This. Great stuff. Thank, thank you. you. You too. All righty. There goes Kevin. Uh, great call. Let's do. Uh, let's bring in Adam. 
Uh, let's see here. Adam, are you there? I'm going to got Adam. I got Dilisea. I got Rich and Daniel, I guess, in that order. Uh, as long as these things stay in the same order, then I'll do it in that order. But, uh, Adam, what's happening, my man? What's up, Coach Nick? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, as, you know, too. I had a fun time watching the game. It's a nice live stream. Uh, I don't really have a question. I just wanted to say I know you remember me shouting out DeAndre Aiden for finals MVP before this stream. So I'm glad that he's MVP of the game. Chris Paul stole his 2020, but I don't know if you saw the stat with uh, him and Kareem. Kareem. Yeah. Before he, you know, uh, switched to Islam. But, like, I, 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 do, I do believe it, it's either him or Chris Paul for finals MVP if they, if they win. Yeah. Well, listen, he was hoovering up all of those rebounds, too. I mean, he was, the, he was anchoring it. They weren't getting – I mean, how many offensive boards did they get? They got nine, the Bucks did. I mean, I can't even picture any of them at this point. And maybe they probably all were gotten when he was on the bench because everything else he just grabbed. And he ended up, what, with how many? Uh, 15, 17 rebounds total, 15 defensive. I mean, he was just a, uh, just a vacuum down there. Yeah, it was I, – I, I was proud. <laughs> I was proud because he was yeah. my finals MVP going into the series. Great call. That was yeah. a great call. And you know what? You're right. And you can see that because he his gravity is so great uh, on those roles. And he, you know the way the Bucks play defense. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna end up sucking everybody in. Either he'll still score because they're if they're small, or you know that's when Chris Paul gets going. Yeah, and I I, I mean his hands are so good. Like he's already better than Rudy Gobert in my opinion. Oh he's yeah, like- for sure, for sure. Um, I mean, get, you know what? That's a good. That would be a good video. Who's better, Rudy Gobert or DeAndre Ayton? I got to tell you, DeAndre Ayton's defense is up there. It's not heralded enough. I should probably do a video on that just because I don't know. What do we think? Is, is it rated highly? Is everyone sent, speaking out loud about uh, Ayton's defense now? Uh, I mean, I don't li- I don't really listen to a lot of NBA media, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, he's definitely gotten praises recently. I think what you were saying earlier in his first year, it was a mess, but now, you know, in his, uh, what's his, is his third year now? Yeah, yeah. Like, they, they've ironed it out. He, he's learned a lot about the angles and you know when to foul what speed stuff like that for sure on that end absolutely yeah it's great to see it doesn't always happen that way and that quickly uh especially for the big guys great to see and i'm telling you he's gonna start he'll he'll be shooting threes sooner than later yeah i think so too he's got a nice stroke yeah for sure it's i mean someone mentioned that they, they wait they can't wait to see him shooting like 15 footers we've seen him shoot 15 footers in the playoffs he can do that already so i'm, I'm just thinking yeah. a couple more steps and he's got it mm-hmm well, yeah, that's all I really had to add. If I think of any more questions, I'll, I'll send them in the chat, but I appreciate it. Hope awesome. Th- thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. All right. Let's bring in, uh, let's see here, uh, DeLacy98. I have no idea if I wrote DeLacy98. D-E-L-A-S-E-A. D-E-L-A-S-E-A. DeLacy. How do, how do you say your name? Are you, oh, are you there? The username. My name is DeLacy. Yeah, I'm DeLacy. Here. All right, what's happening? The, the last year, I'm good, bro. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is how I I, I, know, I know Giannis had a bit of issues during the game, but how impressive it was that Giannis even suited up today because, like, a week ago, we I, I thought his ACL was gone, mm-hmm. and like today, he was able to, to to play 35 minutes and and he was effective, not to his usual level, but he was quite effective. And I think like he needs to get some props for that. And the second thing I want to talk about is um. Aiden. I feel like right now, after like Jokic and Embiid, he's the best playoff center after those two guys. Because I feel like, I feel like he kills small, small, small ball lineups. 
and he's good enough against big lineups. So I feel like after Embiid and Jokic, it's probably him for the playoffs. I'm not yeah. thinking about like a full 82 regular season. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, I can go with that. I'm, I kind of want to look at the playoffs now to make sure we're not forgetting any other centers. But, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you got to put Jokic ahead of him. Although, again, you know, Aiton's better defensively than Jokic is by far. Um, yeah, for sure. For but, sure. but, okay, so Jokic will get the nod because of the offense. Uh, and then, obviously, Embiid the same way. Embiid's defense is probably uh, is, is as good, if not, you know, better than Aiton. So, yeah, I can't think of anybody else. Gobert is certainly not. Who are the other centers that we're forgetting right now that were in the playoffs this year? Um, I guess Porz- Porzingis, um, Zubac, um, yeah. Brook Lopez. I don't think any of them are better than Aiden. Yeah, yeah. all good calls. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, let's see. Can I actually call the season's summary? Where is this? Playoffs? Where are the playoffs and the summaries? Uh, here we go. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, nobody on Brooklyn, uh, the Miami Heat. I mean, you got Bam out of bio. But, no, I, I mean, I think Aiden's better than Bam at this point, although Bam passes a lot better. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. They're, they're, it's a resurgence of centers now in, in a way where we thought, you know, yeah, point guards sure. were going to take over the league, and now we got these centers who are doing really well too. So we're, it's a weird – I think we're in an interesting, you know, path on the NBA where we're all – you know, that the ratings are down probably because we're not used to seeing the style of basketball as we're moving to something else. And we're all going to catch up, and I think it's just going to explode again. I have one final question, right? Sure. Do you think, like, do you think for, like, the long term – Okay, I personally believe that in the long term, Giannis has to move from the fourth more of a center role where, where he can anchor the defense. and um, he, he doesn't have another big man plugging the name for him, for him and his other teammates. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, think, I think what we saw in that first quarter, he went like five for six, uh, all post-ups, face-ups, and nobody could stop him down there. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, listen, he doesn't shoot the ball well. Why are you keep putting him out there, like handling the ball and like, you know, jaring him to shoot threes? He's more like Shaq when he does the, what he did tonight. Uh, and, we, and we never let Shaq, they never let Shaq shoot threes for a reason. Um, and so I don't think that he needs to be wandering out there either. Uh, it might be boring for him, you know, and he might like like be able to have the ball and ISO and all that stuff. But it's just not a, it's just not what they do, what he does best. And if they want to win, you got to get the most plays you can with him doing what he does best. And that certainly was posting up tonight. And I think that you that you try and forget about him trying to shoot these and focus more on his mid range game. That'll be the most beneficial thing to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. He's got a lot of work to do. So thank yeah. you. All right. Bye. All right. Take care. All right, let's bring in Rich real quick. Rich. And we'll see what Rich has to say. And we got Daniel coming in, a friend of the breakdown. Daniel over from uh, down under. But first, Rich, what's happening, my man? Coach, what's going on? Hey, we got a game down. Three, three, or four more to go, whatever it is. <laughs> I hope not. I hope it goes seven. But uh, okay. big fan. I've been watching for a long time since I was in middle school. I'm in college now. It's crazy. Wow. What college are you in? Uh, Florida International. Nice. Okay. Yeah, Miami, All right. Yeah. Nice. But um. Anyway, yeah. It was a good game. It was a good game. I was a little frustrated at the Bucks because of how they were guarding the pick and roll. But um, I you get what you were talking about earlier, and uh, I really think that they should consider aggressively double teaming Booker on the pick and rolls, especially when Chris Paul's not in the game. Force in the pass. You have to give him different looks. What do you think about that? I'm, I'm hurting my neck, nodding so hard <laughs> with that. <laughs> uh, absolutely. They. I mean, again, giving him different looks is important. But you know, if you're not going to double him, he's going to get you in foul trouble. He got ten free throws, which, by the way, is it's only like five drives where he gets fouled, right? He gets the two free throws each. 
But it's uh, it was enough where he hit, he hit all ten of them, and it was uh, you know getting them in the early bonus. So uh, you have to figure out a way to get it out of his hands. You know, Chris Paul is going to be more deliberate. You're probably going to live with those contested mid-range shots. He's good at them. He missed some in the beginning, and you thought, okay, they had a chance. But um, what you're not going to do well with is, yeah, with Booker is going strong in the basket like that. Now, remember, he only went eight for 21, and it was an inefficient 27 points. Um, so I, you know, what's interesting? You could probably argue, don't do a thing, don't change a thing. Like let you know, keep him doing that. He's going to miss a bunch of shots. Maybe get try and cut down on a couple of the, of the fouls. Um, you know, I think I just talked myself out of doubling him. No, I, I think it would be worth it at least for a couple of times. Uh, again, you got to do something. You got to be a little more aggressive on on defense, mix it up a little bit. What they did let tonight, uh, giving up 118 points. Uh, I think it was a pretty slow paced game. In fact, I, let me see if I can call, call this up right now. I want to know what the uh, offensive rating was, really quickly. Teams, um, traditional, advanced. Bear with me for one second. Advanced playoffs, all games, last game. Phoenix Suns, their offensive rating was 138.3. So they actually, yeah. yeah. And But the pace, I think, was, yeah, the pace is really slow. So um, they, they they gave them everything they wanted. They did, the, the, the Bucks defense was completely ineffectual, and that's what's going to kill them. So they got to be able to do something else. Zone even. I don't know. Try something. Well, I think they, they've definitely played Brooke Lopez and basically Bobby Portis off the court. I think they have to, they're going to have to play Giannis big minutes. Yeah, if they want to win the series, which is tough considering that he hyperextended his knee, but uh, it's tough. It's tough. Absolutely, it is. It's gonna. They have their work cut out for him. Uh, Coach Bud's gonna have to do that uh, coaching thing that we, you know, that we talk about all yeah, the time. He's, yeah, he's gonna have to coach. <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought the Bucks were getting some pretty bad shots too. I didn't like. It was basically Middleton taking a bunch of contested long twos. Giannis wasn't doing much. Drew Hall. I mean, you were talking about earlier also. Brooke Lopez and Giannis being out there really limited Drew Holiday and what he could do. Yeah, yeah, that might be uh, part of the focus of the of the uh, video for tomorrow is why Drew Holiday struggled so much. It might be an interesting segment. Yeah, I'll be the first one to watch it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, one more question, Coach. Sure. One more question. There's a little side note, but uh, I was hearing some rumors about a uh, Demar Derozan trade to the Lakers. They were talking about uh, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, Trez and uh, first round pick. I personally hate it for the Lakers as someone that wants to see LeBron win his fifth ring. I don't like it. I, don't, I think he's a horrible fit for the Lakers. What do you think? Well, let's see here. Listen, I liked how Kuzma was developing. He was passing the ball and being like a bit of a playmaker even. Um, you know, the, the, the stats weren't gaudy for him, so I could see why they look at me like, ah, he just doesn't – he's not getting it. Um you know, to get rid of him. And so clearly they don't want Trez. Trez is a player option, and they don't want him to, to exercise it. Clearly, that's why they, they didn't play him, right? Like, if you were a team that had him uh, as a with a player option, and you're like, hmm, what can we do to get him to not sign that? Well, how about this? We'll not play him in the playoffs at all, hardly, and we won't tell him why. Um, you know what I mean? Like, that would be a good, you know, sign. Now, and the pick, they, they give up a first-round pick for, for DeRozan. Yeah, that's too much anyway. Um, and so, but isn't Tamar DeRozan a free agent? They just sign him regularly, right? Or all you want to do is sign and trade. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, the sign and trade. Because yeah. that's the only way they're going to do it because they, they don't have enough cap room. Um, yeah, I, you know, DeMar DeRozan's a tough one. He's kind of a dinosaur and a throwback to an, an earlier era of, you know, of a Kobe style shooter. Doesn't, it doesn't take threes. Um, defense isn't like amazing either. So, um, yeah, I don't think that's a great fit. I, I think they probably could find a better fit somewhere. Like it, like if it was me, like Dame Lillard is is probably the better fit somehow. They if they could ever figure out how to make that work. 
I'd rather get Steph Curry. I mean, if we're going big, might as well get Steph. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen either, but uh, we can always hope. <laughs> I appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. All right, Rich, thanks. All right, let's bring in Daniel, friend of the breakdown from Down Under. Sorry, you've been waiting for a while. I, pre- I appreciate the patience. So let's bring him in. He's always got something good to offer. Um, and maybe it's in the middle of the night for him. Uh, let's see here. Daniel, Daniel, where are you, my man? There you is. There you there, hey. there you are. How you going? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. What time is it there? Uh, just popped the lunch at 2 o'clock. Oh, okay, good. So it's not crazy, crazy early or late there. Nah, never. It's, a good, it's usually good. You watch the basketball around lunch, and then you go out and you do something, so... Oh, nice. All yeah. right. Um, so, th- talk to me. Mention, um, you know, I think it's gone a bit drastic. I think game one, um, I expected Phoenix to win in this fashion, regardless of with, whether Giannis played or not. They just came off of a more brutal series than I think the Suns did. As, as good as Paul George was and, you know, Terrence Mann was showing up, I think that, they, I think that the, the Hawks series was much more, at least even, like, mentally damaging to the Bucks psyche than <laughs> okay. the Phoenix the Clippers were the Phoenix. I think they came off the top of the series um, against Atlanta. And to me, I think, you know, I, I've got Suns in six, just to be clear as well. But I think the, you know, got to bench Lopez, this, that, the other. I think that they're playing a bit too much. The problem with Lopez is they immediately just went from playing the most outrageous drop coverage defense we've ever seen to switching Lopez, who, uh, like, could it guard me in a pick and roll, like, type of thing like that. So to me, like, they don't need to have Lopez switch. That's like that's worse than having him in play and drop coverage because at least in drop coverage, look, some you know there are days where Chris Paul's fifty-five percent shooting from mid-range ends up to forty-four, and you're like, okay, we live with that, right? Right. right. You just got to to me, you just can't have him sag so far back that he's that he's getting his money. Like I think I think to me, it's you have him step up a bit further, but you have him also stay in line, protect that lob. It's very hard. Like, you know, you are heaping when you when you play drop coverage, you're heaping a lot onto one guy. Yeah. Right. But like, if you start like if you start on the side of Chris Paul and you force him to his right side because right shooter's going right, he's better at it than most shooters. But right shooter's going right, it's harder. And if you and you start him on that left side where he's going that way already, you force him to that side, and now you got Lopez contest potentially. I think that would work better than just benching Lopez or you know because they don't want Giannis switching out and playing perimeter defense. That's not the type of defender he is. So I don't think there's any big solution that magically just changes their day right. compared to. Just Playing like a, a bit, you know, higher drop coverage, not sure. lower drop coverage. Yeah, and when I and I show, in the video I did uh, against the Hawks when he started doing that, they had some success. So, it, like, I don't know why they wouldn't have looked at that and be like, okay, let's just do that again instead of like, right, wholeheartedly changing everything they have done for the last four years or five years. Uh, it was it was bold, but it just didn't seem like it was worth it to try it in the finals game. So, I, I agree. Uh, especially because they were getting some really good uh, offense from Lopez, and they're going to need that. Um, and that, so that's a really tough one to balance. Uh, you know, it's funny because a lot of times you'll see the guard from the weak side bump down to the roll man. And um, I don't understand why uh, the guard doesn't throw the lob every single time. For some reason, they're trained to see, oh, he bumped down properly, so I can't throw it. When what's he going to do? He's a foot shorter anyway. And we saw that. I don't. I can't picture. Maybe, I don't know if it was Forbes or somebody. He did the proper bump down, and they threw it up anyway. And he just puts the ball in without even being bothered by anybody. So that's going to be a really key there because Chris Paul is arguably the greatest point guard at being able to decide whether to shoot it, you know, floater, uh, step back, uh, mid range, or lob it. Uh, and he had it all on display tonight. Yeah, for sure. Like, 
eight and seven one. Like the only person that can do anything to contest him is Big Lopez or Giannis. Like, yes. So Giannis needs to be be a floater on the weak side to come in and try and do it. Now I think he got dunked on though, didn't he? Or he, he came over for one. He drew the foul. He drew, he drew a foul. Yeah, he drew a foul on him. Right. So it's like that. He needs to get. He needs to get better at his angle on that. But yeah, that would be the only way to see him do that. But now you're asking him to fly in there like a Superman with half of a leg, and that's that's tough, man. Yeah, I actually thought for for what it's worth, I thought Giannis played. It, the thing with Giannis is if he's on what what would you call it, 85 percent, you know, he can't be your best player when he's 85 percent. That's a problem. Like Holiday. It seems like can't mesh with Giannis, and the, the the troubling thing with that is that they just gave up as much picks as, like for Drew Holiday as they gave up as we gave like the Clippers gave up for Paul George. Like when you're doing that for a guy like that, it makes you think like the Bucks were the second team in position to get a Chris Paul, and the package that OKC got for Chris Paul as an OKC fan, I can tell you, I wanted Aiton in that package. I wanted to trade CP Adams. In a package surrounded for Aiton, because I think like Aiton's better than Adams. Yeah, uh, I think that type of system where Adams like they're very similar. Adams and um, Aiton, they both got good hands. They both seem really, really smart defensively. You know, I, I think Aiton's just a bit more athletic, which lets him do more defensively. But that's are you wait, are you allowed to compliment a New Zealander? Yeah, I am. It's okay, fine. just want to make sure. I don't it's want you to get in trouble. They're considering they're considering like building this massive bridge across. It's like two hour drive across to New Zealand. Oh, um, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, apparently. But anyway, it's like so. Just having that type of assist, like, oh, that's how good I think Aiton can be. I think he's, I think, I think he's probably still the six. I think he's better than, I think he's better than Gobert. And it's, it's, it comes down to whether like you think Vucevic is better or not. I think he's better than Vucevic too. I, I'd have him at four. I, I got Bam a bit higher just because Bam's uh, potential uh, to switch and play defense is a bit higher just because you're you know six nine six ten a bit quicker. Yeah, you can pass the ball a bit. But I think Aiden gets a shot, and he's he's right there. He, he not even gets a shot because he's got a shot. His mechanics are really good. You can yeah. see it on his free throws. Free throw shooting's really like the thing that can you know you can tell. Um, I just had like one last question before I head out. Um, do you think that the Bucks in search for what they need to do to win? Do you think that Giannis start at five? You have you hide Forbes on Bacal Bridges because he's not taking it off the dribble. Or Jay Crowder. And you think you kind of just go, all right, we're we're gonna switch everything except for Forbes because you can't switch Forbes. If they if they, they'll just hunt Forbes, but like if you if you can avoid switching with Forbes, yeah. would you say would you be happy? Would you live with that? Like I don't think if the problem is is like Tucker can't guard Aiden. He's too small. Um, like, to right, right. Well, absolutely can't. Um, by the way, oh, by the way, we, uh, the popcorn machine's already got the game flow up because I, I want here's here's what I want, I want to look at here because the moment that they. Well, they made the game close. Where was that? Where I'm just going to tell you right now. So where is the Brook Lopez? So Brook Lopez leaves the game um, at uh, with 4:42 left in the third, in the midst of a 10 to three run uh, by the by the Suns, and then all of a sudden the Bucks come all the way, you know, bring it bring it back for the next like seven several minutes with uh, lineups like. So here's what we're going to end up seeing more of. But I'll just answer that question, though. I, I bet you Lopez starts, and I bet you they have a very short leash with him in case it doesn't work. And I bet you he plays more like you described uh, on those drops, doesn't drop as far, and they see if that works, right? And if it doesn't, I you, you can I can guarantee you they're gonna they're not gonna go they're not gonna ride that horse as long as they did. But uh, and then but then but then the problem is are they gonna try Portis and still keep Giannis as not the center? I agree. I think Giannis needs to be the center. I think that's where they had their best lineups. Um, in that in that start the fourth quarter, it was Middleton, Connaughton, 
uh, Giannis, Forbes, and Holiday. That lineup was plus four in the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter. So hmm. that's that's probably what they're going to look at with that. Because by the way, that Portis comes in, he did nicely, I thought, but he got lit up a little bit. But um, as soon as he went out, and then they had that team. That's tiny. So that's like who's that? It's Connaughton and no, I'm sorry, that's Forbes and Holiday in the backcourt, and you got Connaughton and Middleton in the frontcourt alongside Giannis at center. That that did the best for him. Yeah, I. It sounds really again. It sounds like it sounds a lot easy to me. It sounds easier and is like easier to talk about than it probably is to execute. You're versing Chris Paul, who is, you know, talent based. You know, and he's so smart. He's probably a top five point guard. If he wins a ring, I, I couldn't see him being worse than fifth. You know, if you had to rank him, right? Like, it, you know, you're versing these guys, and like the problem with like drop coverage is it works. The, 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 you know, we're heading into a league where mid-range shot become less and less valuable unless you start shooting X percent from there. I don't know what that percentage is, but by, by the time you start turning them around and you give them such open looks, they end up, if they can hit them at a high enough clip, which Paul, it's like we're talking Paul, McCollum's, DeRozan's, Durant's, like elite mid-range shooters end up becoming better than three-point shooters because they make enough points back and end up getting to 16 before threes get you to 15. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I was prepping a video I was going to try and drop today, but I'll do it sometime in the finals, where I focus in on all of the clutch mid-range shots that people hit during the entire playoffs this year. It's a lot of them. And it's going to be a good video, especially because what's going to happen when they take away the threes and I'll show you how they do that. And they wall off the paint. And so you can't get to the basket like the analyst guys want you to do. And now you have to shoot a shot that, you know, if you were avoiding those in the regular season, and now it's like under five minutes ago in a five-point game and you need to hit them, yeah. you know, who's going to be able to hit those? That's really – it's a it, yeah. it's a, it's a so necessary shot. With like five minutes left, um, and Cam, it was Cam Johnson for a mid-range. I'm like, that's off. He doesn't shoot mid-range jumpers. He hit it. But it was just, you know, there's that president where, like, I don't think Jay Crowder – could be able to, to catch the ball on the right corner. Someone's closing out at him. He takes two dribbles and he dribbles. I think he'd brick that shot nine times out of ten. You For know? sure. Like, it's just the lack of training on that shot. Oh, um, yeah. And I think that's the direction where def- defenses are heading to. But I think that once there are people who can hit those shots consistently, I think we'll just see an all-around boost in scoring. And, like, it's, it'd be one of those fun simulation things if you, like, did it on, like, 2K where you, like, set the shot clock to 20 seconds. And you just see how many points you could score. But, yeah. like, everybody can't hit shots because the defense can't stop it. Absolutely. That's where we're going to for sure. Five guys, all 40% three-point shooters who can put the ball on the ground. That's going to be wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens then. All right, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All righty. Uh, okay, we've got three more people to come in here. The show is getting a little bit long in the tooth, so let's wrap it up here. But we'll get uh, – Bulletproof B-Ball is up first. And then we got Pedro, and then we got Nelson. So bulletproof, what's happening, my man? I wonder how one would make a bulletproof basketball that actually dribbled. I, uh, to me, would not dribble. It would not bounce. Oh, uh, buzzer beater. Sorry, we have a uh, quick uh, take care of business here. Thank you so much for the super chat. Where was I surprised how few MVP votes CP3 got? How many did he get? What did he? Can someone tell me? Maybe like in one of the chats where he finished because I don't remember now um, where. CP3 finished in the MVP uh, voting. So someone tell me that, and I'll get that. Uh, Bulletproof, I hear you. JD, are you there? Hey, Coach. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. Um, I just had one little question on a foul call. Uh, In the third quarter, about six minutes in, Devin Booker goes for that mid-range jump shot, and he's turning. He's going to his right, turning. I think it's called the offensive foul. 
But yes. For me, that's a complete natural shooting motion. You know, watching people like KB and MJ, when they're going over their left shoulder, you have to kick that leg out to get the momentum to align your right shoulder to the rim. And it just it frustrated me to no end when he got that call because that was a, like a five-point swing at that time. Without question, and, and I teach this, and I've had videos on the on the show where hopefully you've seen it, where, yes, you the right leg kicks out and comes up to uh, control the amount of turn in air you need to have when you're going to your right, and without question. Now, did it get a little bit higher than maybe normally? Maybe. It's hard to whatever. But I, here's my problem. That rule that they instituted for that kick out isn't for that shot. It's for the times when they kick out, like, to the side a little bit more. You know, and that's why they haven't figured that out. It's really frustrating. And I don't think they need someone like me or a shooting coach or somebody to go talk to the referees and explain to them what that means. Because you're right. I've seen that called as an offensive foul when it's, a, it's, it's the, uh, the normal sway of your feet, uh, especially going to the right. So great call. I, I probably should have posted on Twitter, too, but, I, you know, it ended up being whatever. But, um, uh, oh, I think we just lost him for a second. But let's see if it comes back in. Um, maybe he wasn't finished. Let's try that again. Uh, I don't know what happened to you, JD. Well, if you, if you have a button and never come back in, we can bring it back in and finish that. But, but great call on that one. It was, it was not a good call. It's not that's not what that offensive foul call is called for. Uh, oh, you're back. What's happening? Are you back? Oh, that's correct. Yeah, because like as a as a shooter, when you know that's what you have to do to shoot, and you see your ref hit the foul, it just it it hurts the head. Yeah, absolutely. It really does. So, so the referees just need more education. Hopefully, they'll get better training with it, um, and we'll see it called appropriately. Which is, you know, definitely when the guys are flying by and they kick their foot out to the side and that stuff. That's when it gets to be a problem. All right, thanks, coach. Thank you. Talk uh, yeah. to you soon. Seven eight years. So I just wanted to get your opinion on that. I appreciate it. Great call. Great, great question. All righty. Let's get to Pedro, and I'll get to Nelson, and then we are going to wrap this thing up. So we got a lot of people here already. Still, this is great. Pedro, we're going to bring you in the show. Let's chop it up for a minute or two, and uh, we'll get to Nelson, and then we will do our sign-off. Let's see here. Pedro, Pedro, where are you? Hit that button. Join. Uh, here we are. Hey, what's up, my man? Hi, Coach. Uh, Hi. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, I just wanted about uh, roster construction for championship teams. Why do you think that teams like the Bucks, who have their superstar in the far position, don't go in harder, treating Giannis like a sender? Why do you? Why do they have Brook Lopez in the first place, investing that money, and having the, those questions asked now? Well, they they found they unlocked something about three years ago when they decided to make Giannis more of a point guard. And then I think that's when Lopez had first gotten there. So there was something there that really, really seemed to work. But when the teams are now prepared for you in the playoffs and it slows down a little bit where you're not getting all the, uh, the transition buckets like he normally gets, well, that's the problem, right? So the regular season, it works really well because you're getting a lot of uh, fast transition buckets where he can really excel. Uh, it's when you get into the low, uh, to the, the half court where if he's not going to play the center position like we saw tonight in the first quarter, yes, he, he can be completely and utterly um, limited, uh, Giannis can. So I, that was why I always felt like they needed to have a better number one score. They, they needed to have gotten like the James Harden. Drew Holiday isn't that guy. He's much more complimentary. They needed to get a guy like Dame or like Harden if he, since he was available. 
And uh, I suppose they just didn't realize that. They probably didn't have the assets either to kind of put together a package. But when you have a Giannis and you realize after enough years in the playoffs that this is not working as, the, as your point guard, uh, you need to have someone to play that role. Uh, that said, they got all the way to the finals. So um, it's not a complete loss. They, they actually are getting closer than they had been in, in years past. So something was working better. Although that, that said, the injuries this year were so devastating to so many teams that who knows what the real story is you know, you know, until we get to next year. I just think that having a center alongside a guy that two years ago he was fine in the perimeter. But right now it feels like it's, it's just not working anymore. You feel like the Lakers route where they pay very cheap money for uh, a starting center and when push comes to serve, they just bench and Dwight Howard or bench uh, Drummond and start ADI at the five. Do you think that is more sustainable, more championship? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the more skill you have with the basketball at the five position, the better you are. It's just, you just have a much more, uh, much more of an advantage, which is why, you know, when Lopez can shoot threes, that's something that really does help them. But uh, he needs to – that position still needs to be able to play uh, some defense and be more effective than what Lopez was. Um, but there's no question, yeah, when you get an AD in that role – um, it, it does change the entire game. It makes it much harder to guard, and then all of a sudden you're scoring more, so your defense is better because you're, you're in position back because you're scoring more. And so uh, it's all a cascading thing. So when you, when that, that's a big difference for them. And, um, again, Lopez was good on offense tonight, but just not quite good enough compared to what he was giving up on the other end. I feel like 17 points in 20-something minutes, it's a really good game, but – Even the other players were being impaired for his presence yeah. there. Drew can't do anything penetrating when you have two guys around the lane. Absolutely. His faults are mitigated during the regular season, but during the playoffs, they are so much more exposed. Do you right. think that teams, uh, teams are online business? Do you think the regular season is more valuable to teams than with the casual fans uh, give it credit for? You know, it's a great question. You know, because the, maybe the Bucs will be happy with being the number one seed or number two seed, winning a lot of games, uh, you know, being tough in the playoffs and losing the second round. You know, for a lot of small market teams, that's good. Like the Jazz are kind of in that situation right now. Um, but I, I don't know. As far as I can tell, the, the title is their goal. And if they want to keep Giannis in Milwaukee long-term, then they have to really put their best foot forward to win a title, not just be really great in the regular season. So, um, you know, it, it, with that in mind, I have to imagine, yeah, they want to, they want to win the whole thing. And, they, and it's not going to be enough for them uh, to simply, you know, get knocked out in the playoffs every year like they've been doing. And uh, Nice. Thanks for having me, Coach. You got it. Thanks, Pedro. All righty, let's get to Nelson as we wrap this up. Hopefully you're still there. It's been a little wait, wait, a little bit of a wait, but thank you for being there. And then let me just quickly uh, – so CP3 didn't get any number one votes, it looks like, uh, for MVP. Uh, I, I get it. You know, the, the Jokic storyline had been written early on in the season, and there wasn't much that's going to stop him from getting it. So that's just the narrative it takes hold no matter what anybody else does. But CP3 was good. I would probably still have given it to Jokic as far as the regular season. I think he had a better year. Uh, so Nelson, what's happening? Hey, coach! Great to uh, great to talk to you again. Uh, 
uh, last time we talked about like uh, some high school basketball, like some shot creation, you know, how to become a better player. Uh, so like uh, two things I want to I want to say before, like uh, we get to that topic. So like, first of all, I think I think five out is not actually the best spacing possible. Why? Because I think gap spacing is actually very, very underrated. Um, that's why teams have been able to wall Giannis off. That's why Westbrook had, you know, Westbrook hardened the five out scheme hasn't really succeeded last year. Um, well, that that's also due to, you know, the Lakers defense, how they keep doubling Harden and recovering to their shooters. Right. Uh, but I think in the regular season this year, what the Bucks have done uh, was they put Drew in the dunker spot and Brooke Lopez on the perimeter. That way they bring the big out of the paint while also not having five outs facing while Drew's man is the rim protector. And that's why this regular season, they, they've actually had some success with that. And they actually haven't been doing it in the playoffs. So I think they should start doing that and maybe they can win a game. Game that's two and yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, I'm I'm trying to picture that in my head right now. I mean, I certainly can picture Brook Lopez facing to the wing or to the corner and getting out of the perimeter, um, but I'm trying to picture Drew Holiday in a dunker spot. That's that's really interesting. And yeah, that for sure. We we saw that tonight actually a little bit where they were or they would run like a the Spain pick and roll. The Suns finally ran a little bit more with Chris Paul out there. And what they were doing was, yeah, they were luring the the small guard to have to be the guy protecting the rim, and they, they simply wasn't going to work. And they, they got a lot of easy shots that way. So um, th- the Suns did that. Now the Bucks, wow, I I haven't, I can't picture that. That's a great call. I'll have, to, I'll have to dive into the footage and try and try and find that. Yeah, I've actually seen that from the channel Half Court Hoops. Uh, Coach Gibb. All right, we'll give him yeah, a shout out yeah. for sure. Yeah, so I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. So that that's just my thought on the on the game. And then uh, some questions about, you know, uh, being better as a player. Um, so I, I've been, like, trying to train having a tighter handle as a guard. Um, so the se- for, like, the secret to a tight handle, is it, what is it? Is it is it hand-eye coordination? Is it, like, Kirby, for example, he has small hands, right? Um, uh-huh. Unlike, you know, KD, right. Well, you know, I, I've had a, a fair amount of experience working with players um, and tr- trying to improve their handle at the high school level. And doing what we did for decades and decades, like a lot of times, doesn't really help. And so when you're talking about developing and the things that you should do to get better at dribbling, that's like that's what I, w- I could weigh in on. Any kind of static dribbling where you're standing still doing it is worthless. And I know we see Curry do all that stuff, whatever. I, I would argue that a lot of the things he does, two-ball drills in place, uh, aren't really for the dribbling part. It's much for, for the hand-eye coordination and for the pickup into the shot. That, to me, is really where he's benefiting from that drill specifically. So when I've had success with a lot of different players improving their handles, when we got them up and moving so that they can now recreate a game situation a lot better. And I certainly don't like the notion of the, the, the machine gunning where you're doing as low as you possibly can and as hard as you can. That's not how the best dribblers dribble it. It's a lot higher by the waist. It's by the side of your body, and it goes backwards and then forwards. That, that motion there is a really key thing to being able to handle. And you watch these guys tonight. They pull the ball back. Booker is awesome at it. They're reaching in. They're trying to pressure him, and he just brings the ball back a little bit farther behind him, behind his waist, but but near the side. And that's all you have to do. You don't need to have every kind of fancy version of a you know through the legs crossover behind the back stuff. Um, just need to know that you can keep it up by the waist and bring it back behind you and then forward again. Um, 
that's and, and then and then work on that while you're moving, and then you should be good to go. Mm, for sure. So, what would you say? Or what would be some drills like for that? I mean, the, the, the drills I, I, I used to do were just like bringing the ball up, like working on. So you want to be able to dribble the ball and bring it back behind, you know, sort of bit behind your your waist and then back forward. So that's a good drill just to go up and down while you're moving. Practice pulling the ball back and then bringing it forward. And that's all about hand placement where you put the hand on the ball. You have to be very aware of where the ball is on, on the uh, where your hand is on the ball. We don't we didn't talk about that for decades and decades. Uh, the ball is on the top. The hands on the top. The hands on the side, hands on the inside, it's on the back of the ball, it's on the front of the ball. There's all these different hand positions you want to be able to go through and work on. So as you're moving, just, just start with walking, walking up the court and walking back down the court, you know, moving, work on that. Work on, okay, I'm going to dribble the ball at my waist, the hand on top of the ball. Now, or hand on top of the ball, hand on front of the ball, hand behind the ball, hand, you know, on every side of it. And then as long as you don't go under, you're okay. So you don't need to have any complex, fancy drills with all these different, you know, you know, uh, progressions. It's really just getting that feel of that um, and being able to manipulate the ball in that in those directions while you're moving, and, and you know, and then eventually faster and faster. So then you're jogging and then you're running. Once you start being able to do all of that, then that's that that should uh, you should see a really good improvement. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I'll definitely try to work on that. And uh, yeah, uh, for for. A pick and roll, as you talked about last time, is like the most important thing as a, for a guard in the game, right? So, um, so what would you say is the most important thing running a pick and roll as a ball handler? Oh, um, well, the most important thing these days, I mean, gosh, it's hard to come up with exact order because obviously you want to be able to shoot the ball off of the pick and roll. And that's 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 you know the, the biggest threat you can pose. Once that threat is established, then everything else can open up for you, passing wise. Um, so I would say, you know, yeah, I would say the, the, the jump, the shooting the ball off the pick and roll is is the most important thing as a ball handler. Yeah. So from, you know, so, both from deep and from middle mid range. Yeah, yeah. So like the pull up shot, the the dip, like you talked about last time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Maybe yeah. Don't forget, you can dip off a dribble too. That's that's all part of that floating. But then the ball floats to your waist. Now sometimes you do have to get your hand down low and snatch it off the ground quick once, and then you get right back where you were again. That's most of those guys. You watch the Currys and the Kyries. They do it quickly, but they always get back to where their nose is be- nose are behind their toes, and uh, they're in a good position, balance to explode, but not be uh, you know losing control of their balance. So. Um, yeah, but yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, the, the deep shot off of the dribble, off of the pick and roll, is really, really important. Would, would you say practice a lot of side steps, step backs, or pull ups? Uh, you know, the side step is probably the more you know. When I, I'm, you know, you're picturing a high enough ball screen where you're still behind the line. Uh, the side step, back steps. Yeah, the, the, those step backs are uh, are really important as well. Yeah, to be able to handle that uh, and be balanced and still be able to keep the ball straight. So for sure. Uh, and then remember, we have to go both directions. So you have to be very good going left and going right. Yeah. Right. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all I wanted to talk about. Yeah, thank you for those uh, advice. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. And that is our show. Uh, thank you guys for being here. A great one. Um, I'm probably going to post the audio to this in my podcast. I'm starting to post those more. So uh, if you missed it or missed a part of this, you want to hear it again, uh, just you know, subscribe to my podcast over on iTunes or Spotify or wherever else you get it, and you can hear it again there. But again, uh, great, great win by the Suns. I, I thought it was expected based on what we thought and how we saw them play, and now they're more uh, certainly less beat up than the, the Bucks. 
but again, really impressive that the that Giannis was able to come back and play as well as he did. And you have to imagine he'll continue to get treatment. He'll, he'll probably be better in the next game. And then the Suns are going to have to really ha- handle that a lot more. Uh, be careful about someone like Jay Crowder. Probably won't go 0 for 7 again. He might score some more buckets on that end. Uh, and they're going to simply have to get more from Drew Holiday if they want to have a chance in the series at all. They're going to have to have big games from him. So anyhow, well, thanks so much for being here. Great show. And um, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not channel, we're conversation. You in? 